Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. And if you're a new listener, then I'm Dave, and I'm the host of Stand Up Tragedy, a live variety night celebrating all things tragic. Our amazing range of performers get on stage and share their tragedies. The audience may laugh, they may cry. Sometimes they'll even do both. But whatever happens, they'll have a great time. This podcast has been showcasing acts who performed our last night at the Dogstar in Brixton at the end of March. We've had musicians like Hollowbody and Superbard, comedy from Matthew Hyten, True Tales and fictional stories. This week, something different. Lucy Ayrton is a poet who takes you through a wide range of emotions, some happy, some sad. For stand-up tragedy, she performed some extracts from her one-woman show that was inspired by fairy tales and their gruesome origin. Okay, hello audience. If um, so, I have some questions to ask you as an introduction to my poems. Um, who has been in love? If you've been in love, please say yeah. yeah. Who has then subsequently fallen out of love? If you've subsequently fallen out of love, say yeah. 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 Um, who would like to hear my most tragic poem? If you'd like to hear my most tragic poem, please say yeah. yeah. Okay, Um, all you people who didn't answer yes to any of those questions, this poem is for you. I agree, audience interaction is embarrassing. Um, This is is my most tragic of my poems. Um, It's called Let Me Be Lost. I haven't told you yet, and I won't, but it's only a matter of time because I talk in my sleep. I always have. Should have said something sooner, but I've been really busy lately making my own clothes and trying not to be a disappointment. I've been trying to wear skirts more and flirt less and do things that hurt less and be quieter. And prior to this conversation, I was doing fine. But it was only a matter of time because I've always been the kind of girl who thinks a lot about what might be an acceptable level of deceit. The kind of girl who feels guilty about feeling guilty about how much she eats. The kind of girl to who herbal tea and tequila both taste exactly the same. (laughs) They both taste of defeat. The kind of girl who's been really busy lately doing the morning yoga and trying not to be a disappointment and trying not to say that sometimes I want to eat less apples and more cake. Sometimes I want to take the seventh shot of Calvados and drink it down and let the frown melt off my face and drip onto the dance floor. Sometimes I want more than me. Sometimes I want to dance until my head spins and not push boys away when they tell me about what could be. Sometimes I want to let me be lost. And I haven't told you that, but it's only a matter of time because I talk in my sleep and I've been dreaming about dragons and towers and knights and gingerbread houses and roses and spells. I've been dreaming about forests and dark paths, and wolves. 
I've been dreaming about being lost and I've been not wanting to pull myself back into the day and I didn't want to say any of this to you. Been really busy lately, eating organic rice cakes and trying not to be a disappointment, but I can't. They're not real cake. <laughs> and for your sake, I've been not following breadcrumb trails, but I can't not wonder where they lead. I can't stop reading fairy tales. I won't stop believing in magic. I haven't told you yet that sometime you'll need to let me be lost. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so uh, both the poems that I'm reading tonight come from um, my show and pamphlet, um, Lullabies to Make Your Children Cry. You can buy it um, from me <laughs> at the break um, for the very discount price of £3. Makes a really good present for someone that you don't particularly like. Um, <laughs> um, my pamphlet and show um, and a lot of my work uh, about fairy tales, um, as Dave said. I think fairy tales are very interesting. Um, I think that they can tell us a lot. And what I think tells us even more is what we've done to them. Um, I've been looking at um, The Little Mermaid recently. We all know The Little Mermaid, right? You know, under the sea. Um, <laughs> Cute. Um, I was looking into the original <laughs> version of it. Um, this isn't even a joke. Look out on my YouTube channel in the next few weeks. I'm going to be doing an acoustic version of the song Under the Sea with a bubble machine. Um, so that's going to be fun. Unfortunately, the original story does not have any bubble machines. It does not even have a singing crab. Um, and it doesn't have Ariel getting married to the prince. Because in the original version, like the Disney version, she can't talk. So he can't fall in love with her. What happens is she washes up on the sand, naked and mutilated in front of him. And he takes pity on her and brings her into his household. Um, and he falls in love with another woman, a woman who can talk. And he gets married to her and he gives her the little mermaid as a wedding present. The story doesn't even end there. Um, and then all of the Little Mermaid's sisters um, rise up from the sea because the wedding is on a boat, just to, like, literally rub salt into the wound. <laughs> the wedding is on a boat not far from her mer palace. Um, so all of her sisters wife, rise out of the waves and they're all bald and they've got this massive knife. I say, we went to see the sea witch and we sold her our hair so that we could buy you this knife because, yay, if you stab your true love in the heart before daybreak, you can turn back into a mermaid, yay! And they throw it to her and swim back onto the waves and the little mermaid takes the knife and goes and looks down at the man she loves and his wife lying there in each other's arms and she can't do it. So she goes back out onto the deck and just as the sun is cresting, she throws the knife into the waves and as she does show, she dissolves into sea foam. Which initially, I thought was less appropriate to tell children <laughs> than the Disney version. Um, but then I thought about it again. Um, and I thought, actually, if I want to be posing the question to my little girl, if I want to be saying... 
is it a good idea to give up your family, your life, everything you know, your voice and your physical shape? Is it a good idea to do that because you saw a boy that you fancied? <laughs> I feel like maybe the answer that I want to be offering to that is no. <laughs> Um, so this, um, this is another of um, the old and old non-Disneyfied um, fairy tales. This one was written in medieval France and um, it's very much about the kind of concerns of the time. Um, this, um, this story and the kind of poems that go with it are sort of credited of being the first of um, the form that was known as courtly love, which went on um, to be what we know as romance. Um, but I wanted to do it tonight because it is... It is a tragedy, and um, that's always made a lot of sense to me because I think that, you know, kind of excluding sea witches, um, falling in love is one of the most dangerous things and tragic things that can happen to you. Um, so this is my poem about it. Um, it's called The Nightingale. There was once a little girl or not a girl, a lady, and when she reached a certain age, she... Her father gave her to marry. And the night was nice enough, you know, all right, but not really the kind to make the middle of the night bright for her, not really right for her, just okay. Not long after her wedding day, the lady let her husband stay in bed while she fled out to the balcony to watch the sunset, and it was there she met with the other night and she knew straight off the night next door was the one that she was looking for this night was unlike anyone that she had ever met before her feelings were so clear that they were written out in semaphore they could leave her breathless with a head tilt and a metaphor she knew for sure this was it I'd let you spread your wings I'd end your suffering I'd give you I'd sing until my very last breath stopped. But these two balconies they stood on didn't touch. There was just a little bit too much space between them for a handhold or a kiss. They were about this far apart. Close enough to throw a gift to, she was still too far from her other night's heart, so they started the sweetest affair. Her here, them there, both of them aware of her husband. And the nights grew warmer and the days grew sweeter and her love would meet her every night. And she'd gaze at the maze of her night's face in the moonlight and dream of a time when her love could hold her tight. I'd let you spread your wings I'd end your suffering I'd give you anything I'd sing Until my very last breath stopped but as the summer came to bloom, the brightness of the moon fell on the lady's husband's face and he woke and realised she wasn't in her place. He saw the empty pillows still pressed to the shape of her head and strewn with the long loose hair she'd shed, highlighted by a moonbeam, the worst sight he'd ever seen. When she came back to bed, he said to her, where were you even though he knew? And his heart split into two bits, but what could he do? She said, there was a nightingale, darling, on the balcony, can't you see? But he couldn't. She said, he's so near, can't you hear? Can't you hear him sing? I'd let you spread your wings I'd end your suffering I'd give you anything 
I'd sing until my very last breath stopped. And he said, no, I can't. And he rolled over, but he didn't sleep. Every night that week, he stayed awake for the sake of his wife and hearing the words she spake to the other night, but she didn't know. So she'd still go out into the dark to tend to the spark of her and her new love and they'd be whispering and laughing and throwing kisses, but neither of them knew that these weren't just near misses, that they were caught. One day the lady was sitting all sweet with her needlework when her husband came in with a smile and a bird in his hand and because she didn't know what he had planned, she said, darling, for me, and he said, yes, my pretty, want to see, and he opened his hands up just enough for a nightingale's head to pop out and sing. I'd end your suffering I'd give you anything I'd sing Until my very last breath stopped The lady, all guilt and happiness, reached out and ran her fingers along the nightingale's breast, but he pressed his hands into the creature's neck. And the lady prayed he'd let the nightingale go, but no. He snapped its neck. And he looked at the lady and said, What did you expect? Did you think I'd let anything get between my lady and her good night's good night's sleep? And as he threw the bird down and left the chamber, she began to weep. She knew she had to keep away from her love from then on. She knew the next time would be her neck. Or worse. So she sewed her story on the cloth she was holding and tear glittered gold thread and at the end, a warning. No more meeting. Or we're both dead. That night, she took the nightingale out onto the balcony and threw it over to the place she knew her night would be and left. So she didn't have to see them open it. So she didn't have to see them for a last time. I'd let you spread your wings. I'd end your suffering. I'd give you anything I'd sing until my very last breath stopped. The night, that night, came out onto the balcony, looked across and then down, frowning. They picked up the package, opened it and read the shroud and for an hour after carried the bird around very, very gently. Eventually, they had the nightingale locked up in a tiny golden coffin and tied it on their armour as a reminder that love is always beautiful, even when it's dead, and as a reminder of the times when the nightingale said... I'd end your suffering I'd give you anything I'd sing until my very last breath stopped I'd let you spread your wings I'd end your suffering I'd give you anything I'd sing Until my very last breath stopped Thank you very much. Have a lovely evening. So there we go. Not all fairy stories have happy endings. Many of them have tragedies behind them. But the experience and the message of the fairy stories, and certainly Lucy's performance, can give us all a cathartic experience together, which is what stand-up tragedy is all about. So how does tragedy affect Lucy Ayrton's life and the poetry that she makes from it? We asked her before the show. The tragedy that I write about is 
fantasy. Um, I do deal with tragedy on, that's kind of my day job. No, I, I work in prisons um, for a charity that works in prisons doing yoga and meditation. So we get letters a lot and you read them and there's a lot of very sad stuff that's going on. I've never written about the prisoners. Um, what I do is I look at the stories, um, legacy stories, I guess. What I'm most interested in at the moment is the stories that we've chosen to hand down, the stories that we've chosen to keep retelling and looking at maybe why, why we keep telling those and what we're getting out of it. I like to think that they're instructional. I like to think that they're a how-to guide. I think that by nature, certainly how I deal with loss or bad things happening at all is I tell my friends the story of it to help me process it and then they'll tell me the story of how a really bad thing happened to them and how ultimately they triumphed or at least didn't die, hopefully. Um, and that makes everyone feel better, particularly me. Lucy's performances are brilliant to see and she's touring with poetry collective Penning Perfumes at the moment. They're a London group of poets writing work inspired by words and perfumes. Lucy has all the information that you need on her blog, www.lucyinthepubwithcider.tumblr.com. And she tweets very entertainingly from her Twitter account, which is at Lucy Ayrton, A-Y-R-T-O-N. And she's often doing gigs, and she does gigs all over the place, especially in Oxford, where she helps to run the Oxford branch of Hammer and Tongue. If you go to her gigs, she's made a poetry pamphlet of her live show, Lullabies to Make Children Cry. And really, I can't recommend seeing her enough. Stand Up Tragedy is very excited to announce that tonight we have another live show. That's tonight. So if you're listening to this after Friday and you haven't been to the show, you've missed out. And if you listen to this Friday morning, get your friends, get on down to the Hackney Attic, which is where our next night, tonight, is going to be. We kick off at 7.30 and we have acts that include Richard Tyrone Jones, Ben Target, Liars League, Sophia Walker, The Dave, that's me. Two live artists and so much more. And at the end of the night, sing your heart out at our tragic karaoke. Tickets are available from the Hackney Attic website or buy them on the door. Tell us if you're coming using the Stand Up Tragedy event on Facebook because the more people who know about the tragedy, the better. Go to www.standuptragedy.co.uk to find out everything else you might need to know. We'll be tweeting live from the Hackney Attic too, so follow us at Stand Up For Tragedy. Next week's podcast will bring you the first of our performances from the Hackney Attic. So subscribe to us using iTunes, SoundCloud, or the free Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download directly to your smartphone. You can also use any of those to hear all of the previous stand-up tragedy performers that we've had on because they're well worth a listen. There are other ways you can support our tragic cause. Stand-up tragedy is heading up to the Edinburgh Free Fringe, but to bring the tragedy to Scotland, we'll need a little help from our friends. Show your love of tragedy by donating to our Indiegogo campaign, which we'll be launching today. And we're going to make it worth your while. We're going to give you some rewards. Show your love of tragedy by donating to our Indiegogo campaign, which we're launching today. More details about it are on our website. The best way to support us is coming to the show, though. That money also funds our Edinburgh trip. 
I'm hosting Stand Up Tragedy and singing at it, so I'll hopefully see you tonight. And for now, the tragedy is over. This podcast was produced by Bryony Hawkins and recorded by Stephen Harvey. All of our music was written and recorded by Sam Wilkinson, who can be contacted at radiojuan at yahoo.co.uk, which is radiohwan at yahoo.co.uk. Thank you.